Hello, Stephen Dan Fouts here. We're veteran educators who've created the Teach Different podcast to inspire all of us to think deeper, listen with more intention, and understand each other better. On this podcast, we model a conversation method using claims, counterclaims, essential questions, and quotes from some of the world's great thinkers. The method works with adults and students of all ages, at school or at home, and is implemented using good old-fashioned Google Forms. So if you're a teacher, parent, administrator, social-emotional learning specialist, or anybody who wants to think in new ways and help others do the same, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Teach Different podcast. Uh, This week, we're excited to have an elementary school principal with us, uh, Naeem, who's going to be introducing himself in a moment once we start our our conversation. But just to remind our listeners what we're up against here, right? We're going to we're going to start with a quote. It's going to be on Malcolm X today, really provocative quote about character. And once we we um, share that, we're going to break it down using our protocol of claim, counterclaim, and essential question. And we're going to analyze the quote and look at it from different angles, and then end with a very you know provocative uh, question to, that you can take into your day and and moving forward. And just so that everybody to remind everybody. We're doing this as adult learners, right? Which we need to learn as much as the kids do about how to have good conversations. But the hope is that as you listen to this, everybody, you can take this conversation and bring it to your classroom and use it with your students so that you're confident um, in doing that. And so we start with the adults, but we always wanna end up with the kids. All right, so with that, here's our quote from Malcolm X on the the theme of character. (laughs) A man who stands for nothing will fall for anything. A man who stands for nothing will fall for anything. Malcolm X. So what's our claim here, Naeem? How are you looking at this? And you can please introduce yourself, give a little bit of your background. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Naeem Sanders. I've had the liberty of being in education now for roughly about 21 years. And so I've also served as a elementary school teacher, um, 15 years as a principal. I've done work outside of K-12 education as an adjunct professor, and have been fortunate enough to um, author several books um, that have been published. And so when I think about the quote by by Malcolm X, I think it's imperative to understand that um, as educators and really as human beings, we have to have principles um, that we stand on. So those values that that we have, um, that what I call sometimes uh, when I'm working with teachers, there has to be some established non-negotiables. And so one of them may be, we're going to treat our students with kindness and love. That's a non-negotiable. Those are some things you don't necessarily bend on. Um, One of the procedures that we have in place at, at my school is greeting students as they come into the school and at the door a non-negotiable. What does that show? That shows that I value your time here and we want to welcome you into the building. Um, so when, I, when Malcolm X says the quote, a man who stands for nothing will fall for anything, that means that if you don't have any principles in place, if you don't have any values and things that you hold dear, then you'll accept all. And we know that the quickest way to failure is to always try to do everything. 
right? You can only do so much. There's only so much time in a day, but once you appear and try to do everything, you're sure you're sure to meet failure. And when you say, uh, Naeem, this is Steve here. Hey, Steve. When you say you'll pretty much, um, I mean, with, what is you'll fall for anything mean to you? You said that you use the word accept, right? Did I catch that? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Is is that does that where is that where low expectations start? Um, I, I I'm trying to think of of like what does it look like when you know you you'll accept anything because you don't have principles. You just walk around and you you don't expect anything from anyone. You don't expect them to expect anything from you. Can you go more into that? That what does that he mean by falling for something? Absolutely. One of the principles that you can have, let's say you have the value of having high expectations and high standards. That is something that you believe in wholeheartedly in order to improve the quality of the school, improve the quality of learning and the quality of teaching. And that's something that you do not want to compromise. And that's just that willingness of high expectations where things will be done right. When he says you'll fall for anything, how will you respond when things aren't done correctly? Are you so busy into, are you so busy into just being busy that it becomes unfocused, that you're not doing things with fidelity? We can say you can teach, but are you teaching with fidelity? Are you teaching the correct way? We can say you can lead, but are you leading correctly? You know, there's only, again, I like to reiterate, there's only so much time in a day. So are you busy trying to do a hundred things versus focusing on the five to 10 things that could be done the right way and being done well? So falling for anything is not, it's not, it's being able to not compromise, whether it be your stance in leadership, whether it be your stance as an educator and teacher, it's some things are unacceptable versus this is acceptable and these are the way I, I want things to be. Yeah, that's, okay. that's really good. I think I'm, I'm getting your take on this more. I, I, I really like that. I'm, I'm trying to apply this to a classroom setting where if a teacher does not have core values that he or she is sharing with the students, expectations for behavior, um, how people should, should well, behave in class, if that's not clear, then all of a sudden, there's gonna, there are going to be no rules that anybody feels like they're following and so johnny does this and you know another student does this and there's there's no criteria for what is good and what is bad because you have not established a value system for your room exactly and i think when you decide not to accept just anything it allows you to go deeper into understanding why the problem currently exists and oftentimes as, as educators we don't spend enough time looking at the root of the issue, which thus then creates other issues. And I heard the word compromise too, which I, I really think is an interesting way to understand the quote. Because if you don't stand for anything, you might compromise too much. Yes. And in the wrong ways. Compromise is not necessarily bad, right? That's right. one of those... That's one of those balance words to me. In certain contexts, compromise is good, whatever. It's necessary. It's something that shows a great deal of patience and you know, even maybe virtuous behavior. Mm -hmm. But in other situations, it shows a, I don't know if weakness is the right word, uh, but it, it shows that there's no rudder. Like you're saying, 
There's a hundred things you need to do. If you don't have prioritized the right ones, you're going to struggle and you're going to be giving when you should be taking and vice versa. So I I, I like compromise. I don't know if I um, said it in the way that you were meaning, Naeem, but but that word, you know, leapt out at me. You did, Steve. And I think it's also about that mindset and that approach that you're going to have. You know, we've heard the saying that, all students can learn. That's a great mantra. I agree. But that's a different attitude and mindset towards all students will learn. They sound similar, but two educators are taking two different approaches with those mindsets. Yeah, you can learn or no, you will learn, right? So two different approaches that one kind of compromises a little bit, right? Where the other one is, there's no compromise on this one. If you come in this classroom and you're you're going to learn today versus ah you can. <laughs> that's I love that. I love that cuz can learn that's like conceptual. It's possible. Will yes. learn is action oriented. Yes. You know, that that is determination. That's goals. And and what it this is Dan and what it sets a priority on is actually following through absolutely with your lessons and with getting kids to learn. That is a different message, <laughs> and, and a much more empowering one. I mean, Naeem, that was great as a way to talk about like what the quote means. We always start these conversations with quotes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and you know, you imagine students. I guess here, let's do this. Naeem, imagine a student, you can pick any avatar you want. Mm-hmm. How do you think they would react to a quote like this if, if as a teacher you were going to ask them, you know, I want you to put this in your own words. What does it mean to you, a quote like this? What do you think that they would share? You know, it's interesting. I really think that um, for my age range of students that I serve, I think a lot of it would appeal to the actual words of standing and falling. And so they may be able to equate the, the, the stableness of it. So a man who, who is stable will avoid failure or, or falling, you know? So I, I really believe that though, that concrete operational development is still there at, at that age, at the age. Interesting. That's yeah. really good. And then, and then maybe to, to help a fifth grader, right? right. <laughs> to, to help a fifth grader understand, they understand standing and falling. You don't yeah. want to demonstrate for them, but right. you know they, they understand that. But then to maybe nudge them into this idea of, well, what does it mean to have a value system? Yeah. What does it mean to believe in system in, in something? And how, how is that standing? This is actually pretty abstract when you think about it. I think, yeah. do you think they could handle that though? I really, I really believe that they can, as long as the process is facilitated appropriately and the adults who are teaching it understand it as well. Um, um, students are, are, are way smarter, especially in, in, in today's schools, that they can understand and conceptualize thoughts in those ways. It's just a matter of breaking it apart and walking them through it and then providing examples. But I really think it's a good lesson for our students to learn. Um, when you look at, I think, a lot of the things that go on in society today, um, youth are bombarded with so much information that it's hard to decipher um, for our kids with what's real and what's not real and what's a good value and what's not a good value because there are so many gray areas. Um, and again, they're they're inundated with information, much more information than we were given. Um, so 
trying to decipher between what's what's truthful, what's not, what's of value, what's not, what should I stand by, what should not, what should I accept, what should I not accept. Uh, I think it's become more murky uh, for for youth today, and it's probably harder even in the classroom for teachers to teach. You know, I, I use the example of uh, being able to spell and being an effective speller. It's great. You should learn spelling words. I believe firmly that you should learn how to spell words. I think of how many words I don't know how to spell, but do I need to know how to spell when I'm typing and that little red line comes up? How, how important is spelling? <laughs> as long as I can get close to the word, right? So is that a value and where does that value lie? So that's, an ex that's just a small example to say some of the things that our kids struggle with, the things that we were taught were be a great speller. You have to know how to spell versus now today they can say, I can just Google it and It'll, it'll spell it and pronounce the word. It's different. And as educators, we, we need to adapt. Yes. You know, yes. we really do. You know, don't, don't, don't be old school to a fault. Yes. You know, uh, some old school is good, though. <laughs> another, another twist on this is another example, the idea of standing. Maybe you could help the kids into thinking about, well, what does it mean to stand for a friend? Yeah. If a friend's in trouble or if a friend's being bullying, bullying comes up in a lot of these conversations with some of the themes that we're looking at. And I'm seeing it again here. You know, if you don't stand for anything, you're, you don't have the value of wanting to help people in need. Well, then you're, you, you know, you're not going to defend your, your friend if your friend is in trouble. Is that what you want to do? Let me add something to that. If you don't stand up for yourself, you're going to be knocked down. Yeah. I, I, that's one way to look at it. Cause one way to end bullying, regardless of who's around is some people believe that standing up for yourself will end it. And that's the only thing that will, if you don't get ready to keep falling. Right. And I, and I like that reference to stand again too, because it lets you know, it's a choice, whether it be proactive or reactive, it's still a choice in order to stand I, I choose to do that. I choose to take those actions to stand and remain on my feet, right? Whereas you look at falling is something that's in a lot of cases out of your control and, and, and less, um, you have less control over. Um, so one is definitely, I think, is, is more imperative as far as standing in. I choose to, going back to your example with bullying, to not, I choose to react to um, someone who, who's being treated wrongfully. That agency, that is a choice. I love, I, yeah, I love that connection with falling is when you're not in control. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be in control or do you want to be a victim of your circumstance? Right, I agree. Yeah. I agree. That's good. Well, that's, I, I mean, I'm good with the claim for now. We kicked it off, right? I mean, we tried to talk about what this quote meant. We, we had some different themes that we talked about. Let's do the turn. Naeem, this is part of the our three-step protocol for conversations that you know work in the classroom. They work with adults. Right. The minute you get that claim in, it's time for some counter claims, like another perspective. And the way that we break it down for students mm -hmm. is we say, all right, raise your hand if you agreed with Malcolm X. You get half the class to raise their hand. All right, now I want everyone. It doesn't matter if you agreed with them or not. I want you to disagree. I want you to give me a perspective or a thought that really turns this quote questionable. 
and, and says that, you know what, maybe he's missing something here. There's a better way to look at the world. Do you have any counterclaims in mind, uh, another ways to look at this that would, would uh, take exception with it? I think one of the, the counterclaims that can be made is um, the reshaping. So even if you find yourself say, you know, a man who stands for nothing will fall for anything. It causes you to reevaluate at times as, as we all have to, what are you standing for? Because sometimes what we can realize, especially as we grow and, and we, we serve, you know, education, edu as educators serve students and we do our jobs, sometimes we can find ourselves standing for the wrong things. And so we have to reshape what we're standing for um, when you look at the, the push of standardized testing and the value that it holds to a lot of people in education, whether you agree with them or not, and so how sometimes it drives a lot of our decision making. When the pandemic hit, we've had to reshape our values and what's important. Are we preparing kids for the stress of a test, whatever it may be in your state, or are we getting to the root of their social and emotional needs that let's push this to the side, that stuff is no longer important. So the counterclaim will more so be a supportive to say, what is it that you're standing for? And it could be also, what are you falling for? <laughs> so looking at it from both, both, both sides of a, of a different perspective. I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> That's really good. I heard something in it, Dan, I'll let you talk if you have something, but I'm, I love the, the idea of reshaping because this quote, the quote doesn't work as well when you've run into a situation in your life where you've believed something like you're saying, Naeem, for so long and you've stood by it. You, yes. st you stand by it. It's conviction. Yes. You've driven people and motivated them to achieve it. But when it needs to be reevaluated. Yes. You might have to go home that night and stand for nothing yeah. and start with a blank slate. And that doesn't mean you'll fall for anything and all of a sudden you're, you're going to compromise all your beliefs and values. That means that you're learning. Yes. And it's not necessarily bad to reset. You know, there's a humility yeah. in it. I agree. I, I'm with you. Like now, like I, I really, I don't know if I characterized like what you kind of meant by reshape, but I'm thinking of learning yep. um, as what it meant to me, at least. Well, yes. and learning to jump in, this is Dan, learning requires a reevaluation of values. Right. You don't grow as a leader, as a person, as a student, regardless, as an athlete, without reevaluating what you're doing constantly and matching what you're doing with the current environment. And the pandemic is such a great example. Think of the reevaluation of values that schools yes. are going through. From Absolutely. your perspective as a principal, from my perspective as a, as a teacher, I'm going to be scared to death. Right. In, in <laughs> September, I like, or August, excuse me, it's like three weeks or, or a month, I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to have to reset Yes. what this classroom is about, what I can accomplish, why I'm accomplishing it, and what's really important for the kids. Yes. Absolutely. And that, and that, Dan, I couldn't articulate even better. It's rethinking what's important to us. You know, 
And for, for a lot of educators, when's the last time we've had to do that? I mean, we start every year like, oh, okay, we're gonna do this. But when have we seriously had to reconsider why we do what we do and, and, and what's behind it, you know? So um, very good articulation of it, I, I agree. And, and, it, and it's gonna be scary. People do not like to have the rug pulled out from no, under them. No. But but like and as I feel your energy, Naeem, you're thinking the way maybe Steve and me are th thinking of Steve and I are thinking about this. This is an opportunity. Yes. Here, that you have to take advantage of, pay attention to, and do your best with. So it's 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 a positive. Right. And it, the the pandemic provided major and a lot of discomfort and inconvenience, right? And, and, and to be honest with you, rightfully so, people were, were, were afraid um, as you know, we get it. But it also provided opportunity to reshape our service to not only students, but also humanity. And that was, was, was so essential from just how we navigate and work with children, education, to are you okay? And to building the relationships to, you know, you miss getting a hug, right? You miss seeing a, an in-person smile. Those type of things where I think for so many years were taken for granted. Um, whereas now the collaboration of teachers, those things were taken for granted that in some cases they lost their importance. But then when they were taken away and we were um, filled with Zoom meetings, it was, I just wanna sit in a room with some human beings <laughs> or, you know, I'm just happy to walk into the store and I have to wear a mask. Those little things are now coming back where we're thinking, okay, the, the things that we've overlooked. So I, I think that reevaluation and rethinking about what's important has been so vital. What we're standing for, maybe even more important than the fact that you're standing for something is what is it that you're standing for? the qualitative question, Love you know, because yes. if you're not sure and you're learning and you could take some guidance from someone, it's okay to not be, have it all figured out at all times. That's okay. Cause maybe you're searching for that, that thing that you know, you can never let go. That's, that's important, you know? And so I think that that was a really good counterclaim because it, it takes this quote and it adds a qualitative part to this what are you really standing for um that's and really, really just to to big picture this for a minute i mean this is living this is life right where we're constantly trying to figure out what we value what we don't value what it when we should change right. who we are and and what we're doing and no clear answers here and when should we should stick to our guns right yeah. Exactly. What are the, as you said earlier, name, what are the non-negotiables? I mean, I think the you mentioned love and kindness, right? Those right. aren't going away, right? No. So no. there's certain bedrock principles that this pandemic won't erase, but will magnify for us. Um, but other things, maybe the standardized tests and some of the measurement vehicles are going to be put to the wayside a little bit. And we're going to be looking at different things. You know, we don't know, but it's going to happen. Yep. And I think we found out in a lot of ways that our students need and, and students and families need different things. All right. Well, I mean, that I think we really did uh, treated the, the claim and the counterclaim really, really well here. 
And this was a really good conversation. I, I think that this can apply to just about anybody who's listening to this, who's, you know, in education and has to kind of deal with what's going on with the, with the pandemic. I mean, that came up as a theme that we're connecting to. So I think that's, that's really, really good. Um, Naeem, could you just mention like a few, you, you've written a few books, right? Could you yeah. put those titles out there in the atmosphere? Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, so I, I wrote books and my purpose in, in writing was really to serve and to help educators. So help those who serve others. Um, the first book was The Beautiful Struggles of Teaching. Um, it can be found on Amazon and also found on my website at www.naimsanders.com. Um, then I followed that book up with um, another book after I was receiving some feedback to say, hey, this would be a good book to use in a um, book study. So I followed it up with The Beautiful Struggles of Teaching Workbook, which they can be used together to, you know, again, to do a book study among staff um, as an official or unofficial way to, to build professional development. And then I wanted to write, a, when I wrote my next book, it was more so along the lines to say, I wrote a book for teachers, but what about the actual place of education where so much stuff goes on? So you have teaching, you have culture, and you have leadership. So I wrote um, a sacred place for learning because uh, I really do believe that schools are a sacred place. And again, we, we learned that through the pandemic of how sacred they are to society. Um, and when you take those away, some of the valuable things that are lost um, from, from, our, from our families. Um, so I wrote a sacred place for learning, teaching, leading, and culture, which again can be found on Amazon or please go to my website and you can read the blogs too. It's www.naimsanders.com. Outstanding. Outstanding. Love the fact that you're you're going way beyond your, your job as a principal and trying to serve the larger education community. That's just, that's, that's fabulous. Fantastic. Wonderful. So we like to, to wrap up here with a, with an essential question to keep people thinking about some of the themes that we've talked about here. So I'm going to give a stab at one that we've come up with, with the, this is the last part of the protocol claim, counterclaim, and then essential question. And Naeem, we share with teachers that they can use this essential question after a conversation as a reflection activity if they want. They could use it to connect to their academic content, whatever fits in, in what they're doing. So here you go. How do you know when you should change your values? Something to think about now and, and in the future. How do you know when you should change your values? So again, thank you so much, Naeem. It was a pleasure having you on the show here. And we wish you best of luck and keep writing the books. <laughs> And keep being a great principal. Dan and Steve, thank you guys so much for having me. You've been a joy. It's been a pleasure talking to you online and offline. And I appreciate the service and the work you guys do for education as well. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. We hope you're walking away feeling energized by some great ideas and are confident that conversations like this are possible, which is a little bit of planning and a three-step method. Make sure you go to teachdifferent.com to learn more and check out our library of conversation starters, each with a different quote and a sample claim, counterclaim, and essential question to get you started. Good luck, and don't forget to teach different with conversations and make a difference every day.